Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. family. This is John and Aaron Klusterheis living and serving in the Czech Republic. We have been here for about four and a half, almost five years. Um, and we love, this is shade <laughs> and we love working, uh, with Josiah Venture, which is a admissions organization that works with young people, uh, training, equipping, young people to fulfill Christ's commission here in Central and Eastern Europe. We were able to really help build up and encourage these young, passionate people who really want to see their countries change. And so it's an honor for us to be over here and to serve. We miss you guys and we love Silverdale. All these guys that we've been seeing, they're going to be with us next week at our um, annual Impact Missions Conference, that's the Clooster Heises. Um, they used to attend here Saturday nights, tremendous people, and um, I'm just excited. I'm excited about this time. I'm excited about this missions conference that we're having. And it's the different missionaries that are out of our church come back this time of year, and we get to hear about what the Lord is doing, where they serve, and in their ministry, and it's, it's important. It's, it's just important. There is a, a tendency for us just to kind of forget and kind of just think about all that the Lord is doing here and among us and in our church, and, uh, and it's good. It's good to be reminded and see that our God is doing things all throughout the world and among all people groups for the supremacy of Christ and for His glory. As most of you know, um, my wife and I, we were missionaries for nine years. We served in East Africa, and uh, it's not uncommon for people to ask me exactly um, how did we get from East Africa to East Tennessee? It's a little, little bit of a lengthy story, but um, to sum it up, it was this Missions Impact Conference um, 12 years ago. I believe it was about 12 years ago in 2006. Silverdale Baptist Church was doing this mission conference and just on Africa, focusing on Africa, and, and I was asked to be a part of that. Now, I'd never been to Chattanooga. I'd never heard of Silverdale Baptist Church, and I was living in Dar es Salaam, a majority Muslim country, but I was asked to attend, and so I, I flew from Dar es Salaam straight here. I went to the conference, and then I went straight back to Dar es Salaam after the conference. I did not want to be away from my church any longer than, than necessary, but it was that conference and this church that God used to kind of guide me and lead me and kind of press upon my wife and I that he would have us be here. And so, make a long story short, we're here. We're here at this church. We've been here nine years. And so, every year we have the same conference, and every year I get excited. I get excited about the missionaries coming in. I get excited to hear about what God is doing where they're at. I get excited to hear about the salvations. I get excited, and I get excited about us as a, as a people concentrating and, and refocusing on what God is doing around the world. So, here is my goal for today. Here's my goal for today realizing in light of the fact that next week we're going to have our missions conference, what I want to do today is I want us to prepare our hearts for this mission conference. And we're going to do this by looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. 
So what I'd like to do is invite all of you to grab your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark. You can grab your smartphone, your smart device, whatever you have, and and turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 14. And you can also take out your Bible study outline. It's going to be found in the center of your bulletin. So, before we get to the text, let me kind of um, tell you my thinking as to why we're looking at this text specifically. The question that might come to our mind is this. Why exactly are we going to take a weekend prior to the missions conference to prepare our hearts for the mission conference? Well, it's, as I've already kind of alluded to, there is a tendency in all of us, as time goes by, to lose focus on the mission, to lose focus on what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's exceedingly easy. It's not uncommon for churches to forget their mission and to get involved in all sorts of activities and programs that may not be on mission. Therefore, it's important for us to kind of circle back and kind of re-examine, re-stir these affections to see through the lens that we know to be true, but perhaps because time has passed that we have kind of forgot about the mission. So what we're going to do in the text that we're going to look at today is we're going to look at three steps to help us stay focused. Three steps which I believe that will help us um, kind of stir our affections for Christ and His glory and His supremacy in all things and among all people. And we're going to be kind of examining His first disciples here as found in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. And we're just going to walk through it. And um, There's some important truths that we're going to see that I think that will help us stay focused on the mission that is before us. So let's let's just begin. Now, in this text, there's a lot of additional things that that we could look at and we could study, but for my study, as I was looking at this, I was just trying to specifically look at these steps that help the disciples stay focused on the mission that has been set before them. And so that's what we're kind of drawing out today. So... The first step for all of us when it comes to staying focused on the mission is know the mission. Know the mission. I know that sounds kind of elementary. It sounds like a no-brainer, but the bottom line is if you and I do not know the mission, you can't do it. We can't do it. I've discovered this in my life. I can do a lot of things, but I cannot do a lot of things well. And I've got limited money, and I've got limited time, and we all know, man, we got limited talents. So I want to make sure that this limited money and this limited time, my limited ability, that I'm using it in such a way that it's aligning with the mission, to know the mission, to be about the mission. So the question is, what is Jesus' mission? And that's a great question. That's a question that I don't think we think about enough. I think if I were to ask 10 different questions, 10 different Christians, that question, if I was to say, what was the mission of Jesus, I might get 10 different answers. And I've seen this as well. We are prone to hijack Jesus' mission. What I mean by that is if I was to ask some Christians, what is the mission of Jesus? 
They might answer it in such a way that would satisfy their passion, their worldview, what they think is important. So they kind of hijack what Jesus' mission actually is. In other words, some examples might be um, if it was someone who uh, was into prosperity, they're going to hijack the mission of Jesus, put it through a grid and twist it in such a way, and then regurgitate it back to you to try to convince you that the mission of Jesus was prosperity. And we do that in many different ways. Um, the social justice to be sure, Jesus was concerned about social ju- justice, but, but it doesn't mean that was his primary mission. But if that is what you, your passion, some people will hijack what Jesus was doing, turn it, put it through a filter, and then regurgitate it in such a way that it fits their need, their agenda. But we don't want to do that. Like, like, like we, don't, we don't want to be a people making Jesus into something that Jesus is not, And then getting mad when Jesus doesn't respond as we had hoped that he would respond. So I want us to know, what's Jesus' mission? What did Jesus say he came to do? Why was he born 2,000 years ago in a manger? What did he want to accomplish? And when we discover that, when we know the mission, then we're going to align everything we do under that mission my limited time, my limited resources, my limited abilities while I'm here on earth will be aligned to his mission. So let's see, what was his mission? Let's start verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Okay? So now the gospel of Mark is, 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 is an interesting gospel in that it's really brief, it's really terse. I mean, Mark gets right down to business. He just gives the facts. And so we're started here, it's stated here that Jesus is starting his public ministry. And we're told that Jesus' ministry begins after the arrest of John. And that's, that's referring to John the Baptist, okay? So after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus begins his public ministry... And Mark tells us he begins it in Galilee. That's the northern part of Israel. It's interesting that that's kind of far away from the religious center, Jerusalem. And we're told he's doing something here. And all the other Gospels are going to agree with this, but this is the succinct way in the way Mark says it. He says that Jesus was proclaiming the Gospel. It's interesting. He's not saying that Jesus was healing or giving signs or giving wonders. He's saying he's heralding something. He's proclaiming something. He begins by preaching the gospel of God. Now, to be sure, we can read all through the gospels, and you're going to see miracles, and you're going to see healings, and you're going to see signs and wonders. But all of those validate the primary reason why Jesus is here, and that is to proclaim the gospel of God. We're going to see this over and over again. I'm going to show this to you. But this means that Jesus was traveling town to town, from synagogue to synagogue, in the countryside, heralding the gospel. He wasn't preaching self-help. Jesus was not sitting there trying to be cool and relevant He's not telling jokes. His goal was not to go around the countryside in order to get a lot of people to personally like him, to like him, who he was. That wasn't his goal. His goal was to herald, to proclaim the gospel of God. So we see Jesus preaching the truth of God's good news about himself and about the kingdom of salvation. 
And there's another text that we could bring in here, and it's going to help clarify this as well. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus himself expressly says what he's doing here, and he expressly tells us what his mission is. Here's what he says. I want, to, I want you to see this. In Luke 19, 10, from the lips of Jesus, he says, I have come, check it out, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. That's his mission. And I would submit to you, church, that that's the great mission. That's the mission of the church. That is the mission that we as a people do not want to lose focus of, to preach and to proclaim the works of Jesus to as many people as we can at all cost. And it will include money, it will include comfort, and yes, it will even include the lives of some of us if necessary. It's the purest, truest, noblest, most essential work of the church. (laughs) You might be tempted to think, well, Travis is being a little bit dramatic up there, right? Is it really that important? Was it really that clear? Is it really our mission? Jesus thinks this is so important that he tells us this mission Five times, in five books, in five different ways. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. It's hammered to us. I, I just, I've got to share this with you. I want us to feel the weight of this. I want us to understand what we're doing here. I want us to understand the end to which we are headed. Matthew, I'm just going to read the first of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We call this the Great Commission. Let's just read it. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been handed over to me. Go, and you see that that, that imperative, go therefore as you are going and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, that's the Great Commission. That's Matthew. But you get to Mark, chapter 16, verse 15. It said again, and he said to them, once again, different way, different book, command to God's people, go into the world and proclaim the gospel. That's the person and works of Jesus Christ. The very same thing we see Jesus doing when he begins his ministry to the whole creation. That's every people group. You get to Luke 24, verse 45 through 49, third time. Then he opened their minds, that's Jesus, to understand Scripture. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin, check it out, should be proclaimed. It should be heralded in his name. Check it out to the nations. That's every single people group, every tribe, every language beginning from Jerusalem, you are my witnesses to these things. John 20, 21. This is so, man, clear here. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father sent me. So as God the Father sent God the Son, even so I, God the Son, am sending you. That's us. We've been sent. That's our mission. That's what we're to be doing at all costs, at all times. Acts. Not done. 1-8. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of Samaria, and once again, to the ends of the earth. Five ways, five books, five different ways that he tells us this, right? Couldn't be more clear. It's as if Jesus is saying, I really want you to get this because I realize that we are going to have a tendency to drift from it. We might lose focus. We might try to hijack Jesus' ministry for our own glory. We might try to hijack what Christ wants to accomplish for things that we would like to accomplish. So Jesus reminds us every the first five books in the New Testament every single time. You're going to read it. Jesus is going to say, this is what I'm about, and this is what I want you to be about. Not only do I want you to be about this, I'm commanding you to do it. Not only am I commanding you to do it, I'm going to empower you to do it. He says it over and over and over again. Again, God's people are to be concerned with the lost. That is the mission, to seek and to save the lost. And that is our mission. And everything, church, I'm telling you, everything we do needs to align under that. I think, as individually and as a church, we should always be asking ourselves, I ask myself this not often enough, but I, on a continual basis is the way I'm spending my time and my money and my effort aligning with the mission of God. And if it is not, I repent and try to get everything under that. Let's keep going. Verse 15. Okay, so verse 15 is cool because we're actually, so he's, he's, he's preaching the gospel of God, but we're going to see exactly what he said, or at least an outline. We're, we're going to get the three-point sermon outline from Jesus here in verse 15. All right? And saying, this is referring to what he's saying. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and repent and believe in the gospel. That's good stuff, man, right? Here we see Jesus' three point sermon. And it's his three point. If he had a sermon outline here, this would be his three point sermon. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe, right? Like, um, I hear people from time to time, they'll say something like this. Um, if Jesus was in the pulpit today, I wonder what he would, he would preach. And, and we need not wonder too much. We've got some transcripts. So the Sermon on the Mount is one of them. Um, but we got a transcript here, really, and a basic outline of what he was saying. It was a three-point sermon. This was a, a three-point sermon. He preached it over and over. I, you know, Jesus wouldn't have a real popular podcast because it'd basically be really repetitious, Right? He's, this is the same thing over and over again. Let's look at them. This, uh, let's go through these three points rapidly just to kind of highlight it. I don't know exactly all that Jesus would have said under each one of these points, but the first, the time is fulfilled. What is he saying there? He's saying this is the time that the world has waited for. This is the most significant time in history, the arrival of the Messiah who will pay for the penalty of sins. Point number two would have been the kingdom of God, or the kingdom is at hand. That means the rule of God is here. The king is here, therefore the kingdom is at hand. All right, so you got point number one. Point number two would lead to the question, how do you enter this kingdom? Jesus says, point number three, repent and believe. There's no other way you repent and believe. Acknowledge your sins and turn from them. Believe in Jesus Christ and the works on the cross. That's Jesus' sermon. All right. So our point number one about not losing focus was know the mission. What is the mission? I have this in your outline. The mission is to seek and to save that which was lost. 
All right. That leads to the next thing that we can pull out of this text to help us not to lose focus. It starts in verse 16. Here it is. Hear the call. Hear the call. Let's continue verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, then us, Jesus, saw Simon Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were, they were fishermen. All right, so, so we're told here that Jesus is going about his mission to seek and save that is lost, and, and he comes along to the Sea of Galilee. Now, the interesting thing about the Sea of Galilee um, I think it's interesting. Two things I find interesting. It's not really a sea. It's more like a lake. When you look, it's like a big lake. And it's also not salt water. It's fresh water. Sometimes I I meant to look up what's the definition of a sea because this doesn't seem to meet it. But anyway, it's just a big freshwater lake. And it's always been a very popular place to fish throughout all of history. And that's what we see going on here. We got Simon and Andrew fishing. That's what they're doing they got a big net and they're casting it out and then Jesus comes along now I want to point something out to you that sometimes we're prone to miss Jesus already had met these guys like this isn't the first time Jesus meets these two guys if you go to John chapter 1 verse 35 we know that both of them were at the baptism of John and Simon and Andrew okay so they they've already met okay so Jesus knew them they had talked right they had heard John say that Jesus is the Lamb of God, so they had believed in Jesus. They knew he was the Messiah, so they already knew one another, right? So you see Jesus seeking, you see Jesus saving, you see Jesus coming around and calling them, and it seems that he's just going back to Galilee, and then he's kind of tracked them down. So that's what's kind of going on. But here's what I want us to notice, okay? This is what's interesting to me. In this picture that's being painted here, Nothing extraordinary is really going on, right? I mean, this is just a normal day, right? You got, you, you got a lake, you got some dudes fishing, something they did every day. And this wasn't the first time to fish. I mean, they've been fishing their whole life. This is what they do. And then you got Jesus on his mission. Now, I guarantee you, Simon and Andrew, it's just a normal day for them. They had woken up. They had done their morning routine, and they were doing what they do every day, fishing, right? They weren't thinking about anything. It's just normal, right? They're normal routines. Maybe they're thinking about the weekend, I don't know. But in the middle of their normal routine, something extraordinary happens. What happens? Jesus walks by. You ever been there? I imagine most, if not all of us, have. You're sitting there, minding your own business. You got your little routine, and it's a good routine. It's a comfortable routine, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus walks by, and he interrupts it, right? He just interrupts it. You know, like, who are you, Jesus? What, what are you doing? Just interrupting my day. The Lord in his graciousness has been kind to interrupt my day many times, and I pray he does it many more times, but as Jesus interrupts their day, they receive this great invitation. Let's get into verse 17. And Jesus said to them, (laughs) and just interrupting their day, man, 
Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. (laughs) Oh, man, Jesus, there you go again. Getting up in people's business and interrupting their lives. You ever notice that when Jesus interrupts your day, he never asks your permission? Like, he don't really care about, at least in my life I've seen this, and maybe in your life as well, he don't like really care about maybe what you are doing, right? Like, like Jesus doesn't come up to them and say, pardon me, I can see that you're busy. If you would just let me know when you're not busy, I'll be sitting over here and you can come find me because I have something to tell you, right? No, 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 Jesus doesn't do that then. He doesn't do that now. He's never done that in my life at all. Jesus doesn't care about what you're doing when he interrupts your life. And the question is why? Why does he not care? Because Jesus knows that whatever you're doing currently is not comparable to the thing he's about to ask you to do. If you knew what he was going to ask you to do, you would by all means stop what you're doing But sometimes we're so focused on this thing, this fishing, this routine, these whatever you do, that we don't pay attention. And don't miss this. There's another thing I would say. Don't miss this. Just follow me. It's a command. Like, Like Jesus isn't, there's no question mark here, right? He says, follow me, me. I take this to mean here in many other scriptures that I believe all believers should be going, sending, or both when it comes to proclamation of Jesus Christ among all the people groups, every tongue, every nation. We should be a people doing this. And I get it. I get it. People get annoyed. Who here, seriously, who here has not been annoyed by Jesus at times? inconveniently convicting you, inconveniently calling you, inconveniently asking you to volunteer, inconveniently doing these things, and you're tempted to say, Jesus, who do you think you are? I just came to church to sit here. I did not anticipate that you would ask me to volunteer in Kids Quest. What are you doing, Lord? I just came to church tonight to to do what I normally do. I got this this routine, but I'm sitting here, Jesus, and you've interrupted my life, and you've laid it on my heart that I need to go home and call the man or the woman that I've sinned against and ask for forgiveness. Jesus, I did not anticipate that. So I I know we can get upset when Jesus comes around and convicting and, and wooing and calling us. It can be inconvenient. But i got to tell you, it's always a grace. He's always asking you to do something better than you're currently doing. He's always got something bigger planned here. And, and I've seen this, oh man, I've seen this so many times. I've seen this so many times. So, so, so someone, I've seen this because people have talked to me about it, okay? So they'll, they'll come to church and they're sitting here and they're like, I'm minding my own business. And then God convicts them about a sin, but it's a sin they really love doing, right? All right, and they want to keep doing it. So instead of obeying God, this is kind of what, what I've seen happening over and over again. Instead of obeying God, what they tend to do is, is, is criticize the preacher or criticize God's 
people make an excuse to not come back the next week. So instead of repenting, instead of thanking God for convicting them, they turn it in such a way that they can attack the church and use the attack of the church to not come back to church the next week so they would not have to repent of that, that sin. I've had this, I'm, this is a true story. This really happened. I've had a person tell me before that they, I guess it's loving, I don't know. But they, they you know, they said, you know, I don't really like hearing um, you preach because, I kid you not, they say, you take the Bible too seriously. I know. I was like, well, I was like, as though you can, as though that's possible. I didn't say that. But, but here's what I took, what they were saying to me. What I believe they were saying, what I believe was happening in their life specifically, was God was convicting them about sin. It wasn't that I took the Bible too seriously it's that the Bible is a serious thing, and they had been confronted with it. They did not like it. So instead of sitting under and submitting to it, they just said, you're too serious. This is blah, 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 blah. I'm not coming back. Here's the good thing. You can't outrun God. Like, some, hey, some of you pretty fast. But ain't none of you outrunning God. You're not. So that's what, what happens here, right? He says, I, follow me, I. So he's causing it. He's the one guaranteeing this will make you be fishers of men. I'm going to talk about this a minute. In other words, the one calling, which is Jesus, he saves, and the one he saves then becomes callers too. Right? So Jesus got his mission. He saves you and then his mission becomes your mission. Those called become callers. Right? And I've seen this over and over again, too. I've seen this countless times. I could sit here and share you so many stories. It's the way it's supposed to happen. I've shared some. I'll, I'll just do some brief ones. Brief ones, real quickly. You know some of these. Uh, I had a, a young Muslim man, right? God saved him. His family wanted to kill him. Immediately after getting saved, the Lord called him to go back to his village and preach the gospel. He left. He did it. I couldn't stop him. Didn't really. Anyway, that's a whole other story. I want to to get into that. Another man got saved from a Muslim background. God saved him. Whole family wanted to kill him. Immediately, he gets saved. What does he want to do? He wants to tell his friends about Jesus, okay? So he goes missing for about three days. I don't know where he's at for three days. I think the man's dead. I am concerned. I finally find him. I run up to him. I say, where have you been? He said, here's the thing, Travis. When I got saved, I wanted to go tell some of my friends about Jesus. I wanted them to know what I know. He goes and tells his friends at night about Jesus. God saves them. I say, that's great, but it don't take that long to tell a man about Jesus. He goes, I know. You know what we did? What would you do? He said, we started reading the Bible, and the Bible says that once you get saved, you need to get baptized. I said, great, so what'd you do? He says, we walked to the beach. I said, great, it's kind of far away. He goes, I know, three days. It's not just Africa, though. Some of you know this story, but here in Tennessee... Years ago, I was blessed to start a Bible study on my back porch with a few young men. They were far from God, didn't know God, probably had very little affection for God. Start preaching through the, the Bible, and God, in his sovereignty, saves them. You know what those jokers do? 
They go back and start telling their lost friends about Jesus. You know what God does? He starts saving their friends. You know what happens? A lot of people start showing up on my back porch. They were all men. I kid you not. It's God, man. I kid you not. I was sitting there. I am sitting there. I would not. It's a covered porch. It's a covered porch, right? I would not give them even a glass of water. Sometimes they didn't have chairs. I told them, you come here. We're going to preach. I'm going to preach through the Bible. And that's what they did on Wednesday nights. So my whole cul-de-sac is just dudes, man. My whole cul-de-sac just filled up with all of these trucks, big trucks, Tennessee trucks. You know what I'm talking about. Georgia trucks, huge trucks. They're just all there in my cul-de-sac. People couldn't park. Man, they're just lining up. They're just sitting there. I can tell you a true story. I, I, I saw this, and if I had not seen it, I would not believe it. But I'm telling you, you can, there's people who will testify to this. I'm sitting there. One Wednesday, and I am preaching. I'm just preaching the word of God. God has saved men who are far off. They've told their friends, and they've get saved, right? It's raining. It is raining, okay? And it's, we're outside, just this thing, and, 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 I, and I didn't think it was going to show up. The porch was full of men, so much so, there were men overflowing, standing up against my, my, my porch so they wouldn't get wet. Who does that? You guys have heard me preach. He ain't going to come hear me preach because it's rain. No one was there to hear me preach. Nobody heard it. No, it's the word of God. It's what God does. God saves, right? God saves. We preach God saves. God saves. He sends those people. They take that mission and they tell their friends and their friends get saved and we invite them to church and God keeps moving over and over again. The mission, seek and save the lost, Okay. What is the call, guys? What is the call? The call is to follow Jesus. It's to follow Jesus. It's to tell other people about Jesus. His mission becomes our mission. And he moves. He moves. He moves. He's good. I don't know, man. That stuff fire you up. I tell you what. I know people always um, often want to see... <laughs> People always want to see Jesus do miraculous signs and stuff, and I get it. Here's what I tell everyone. He says, you know, I just want to see Jesus move and do something miraculous. Here's what I say to you. Go tell a lot of people about Jesus. That's all you got to do. Seriously. I mean, if you're serious about wanting to see some crazy stuff, you just consistently tell people about Jesus. And in six months, I guarantee you, you're going to see some things you would have not seen otherwise. That's what I've seen. I've just seen it. I've seen it. And I'm not talking about, let's get back on track. (laughs) You guys want to go home at some point. Third, third step, third thing, respond correctly. Respond correctly. Here we go, verse 18. And immediately, ah, that's a good word. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. There's immediacy to this. There's not a pause That's his mission. He's called me. Now it becomes my mission. No pause. No second look. Right? They didn't say, well, you know, I had other plans. Surely they did have other plans. They didn't say that. They they did not say, oh, Jesus, let me think about it. You know what they didn't say also? They didn't say, tell you what, Jesus, let me pray about it. Right? And that leads me to this. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. I want you to understand this. You do not 
Now, when I say this, some of you are going to think, I don't know if I'm behind Travis. This sounds strange. I've never heard this in church before. I got to say it, though. You don't have to pray about everything. What? You don't. You don't have to pray about everything. Like if Jesus tells you to do something, you ain't got to pray about it. You do it. No, I get it. You can pray about clarity. You can pray about strength. You can pray about timing and wisdom and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, man. I'm from the South, and I've been here for nine years as well, and um, we love that. Dude, because here's the deal. We love to say we're going to pray about it because here's what we want. Here's what we want to do. We want to seem godly while being disobedient, right? Well, that's what we do. And we got this little, this kind of check out. We do, we just check this out. So, so God tells me to do something. Someone asks me to do something. I don't want to do it, so I'm, but I want to still seem godly, so I'm, I'm going to pray about it. Did God tell you to do it? Yes. Don't got to pray about it. Okay. He's laying on my heart once again so that no one misunderstands me. I'm not saying we don't pray. And I'm not saying we don't pray for strength. And I'm not saying that we don't pray for wisdom. But what I am saying is that when Jesus gave these men a command, they did not have to sit there and stop and pray about doing it. They immediately responded. They respond immediately, left what they're doing, and they followed. In case we missed it, Jesus does it again, 19 and 20. And going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately, once again, you see this immediacy, Jesus called them. They do the same thing. They left their father Zebedee, in the boat with hired servants and followed him. That's kind of a weird picture, right? They're like, hey, Dad, peace out. Mic drop. We're with Jesus. I don't know. I don't know what their dad thought. I don't know. I don't know, right? But Jesus said, follow me, and they did. Once again, no excuses. They didn't say, these nets, man. Jesus, these nets don't mend themselves, right? Someone got to be doing the mending. They didn't say it's hard for me. They didn't say we'll catch up with you. It was immediately. I think that's one of the things we struggle with. I think that's one of the things that gets us off track. I think this is one of the things that keeps us off mission because there's a lot of men and women who self-identify as being Christians, but really what they are is just net menders, right? I'm going to sit in the boat, and I'm just going to mend my net. I'd like to see God do a lot of things, and I love hearing your stories about God doing a lot of things, but right now I'm just going to sit in the boat, and I'm going to mend my net. And the problem is net, 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 net menders, they often get frustrated with Jesus because they pray to Jesus, and they'll ask Jesus to do certain things, but Jesus don't do those certain things, and those guys mending their nets get upset. But I would say... Drop the net. If God has called you to do something, just do it. The correct response, we'll wrap it up, is immediately. It's immediately. So, it's an exciting week, church. We got a lot of missionaries flying in. Many of them are already here. Some are in this service. And we've got an opportunity to hear what God is doing where they're at. 
we get an opportunity to refocus on what our mission is. I pray that you take that opportunity. I pray that this week that we as a church would be preparing our hearts to engage them, to learn about them, to see, pray for them, and to encourage them. Three steps to stay focused. One, know the mission. And the mission is to seek and save the lost. Second, hear the call, and that's to follow Jesus. Third, respond correctly, and that's immediately. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.